Welcome to Founders Focus, a podcast made for founders by founders. I'm Scott Case, CEO and co-founder of Upside, and I created Founders Focus to help share free resources and actionable advice. Together, we're building a community for business leaders, entrepreneurs, and founders to come together to tackle today's challenges. This podcast is powered by my awesome team at Upside. Please visit foundersfocus.com to join the live video sessions or to catch up on past topics. I am absolutely uh, excited and thrilled to introduce uh, our co-host for today, Gary Ware. And Gary is the founder of Breakthrough Play. And we're going to talk about... Um, a lot, of th- a lot of different things, but in particular, the fact that everybody who's an entrepreneur is actually uh, either, either is naturally gifted at being an, an improv or uh, needs to get really good at it because we're, we're constantly faced with a stream of stuff that is often unexpected and we've got to process it live, um, which is a big piece of what improv is. So with that, Gary, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and we'll dive in. Hey, everyone. So, so happy to be here. Um, as Scott mentioned, my name is Gary Ware. I run a small little shop called Breakthrough Play, uh, where it's my uh, mission to help uh, amazing people like yourself use the power of what I call applied improvisation and purposeful play uh, to allow you to be more confident, communicate uh, better, and at the end of the day, just really enjoy your life, right? Because we only have one life. So uh, why should we waste it just being exhausted all the time? So that's me. And yeah, so happy to be here. Awesome. So how did you end up doing this? Like, you know, t- tell us a little bit about your story. How did you end up being a founder and, um, and you know, creating the business that you've created? Yeah, I've always wanted to run a business. I never thought it would be this. So my background is in marketing and communications. Um, that's, you know, that's what I went to school for. I, you know, thought the path was, all right, you know, you go to school, uh, you get a good job, you move up the corporate ladder, you know, you eventually start your own business. And that's where I, you know, that was my trajectory. Um, found myself burning, <laughs> burning out a lot. Uh, uh, and again, I just thought that was like part of the part of the thing, you know, I used it as a badge of honor. I ended up taking an improv class as a way to enhance my public speaking and fell in love with it. It was my hobby. It was the thing that I did that brought me the most joy. I started bringing these games to my team. Uh, So at the time, I worked for one of the largest independent uh, search marketing agencies uh, in the world. And I was a a VP. I had under me like a staff. Um, It started with when I got promoted, it started with 16. And then, um, you know, it sort of multiplied. Uh, And I found myself like, man, how how do I be a leader? I, again, it's so interesting because you're really good at your job technically, and then all of a sudden they give you people. They go, oh, here you go. All right, you'll be good with that. And uh, anywho, the improv helped me, um, you know, connect with them. Uh, I would bring these games before meetings. I would bring them on Fridays. And long story short, I ended up uh, co-founding um, an agency, and my job was um, managing the team and client strategy. And so I brought all of these techniques to the team. You know, my goal was to transform how agency, uh, life, uh, was because it's typically grind, grind, grind. Uh, you're at the will of the clients. And I wanted our team to have, uh, just a more fulfillment, you know, fulfilled life. Um, we were in business for about three, three and a half of four years. And then, um, I was doing this on the side. I was running retreats. I was doing all of these things. I came back from uh, running a um, 
retreat in Nicaragua. And I had what I thought was my normal sort of check-in with my co-founder and uh, he broke up with me. It, it And it caught me by surprise. Uh, and he basically was like, well, I think we should go our separate ways, like blah, 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 all this other stuff. Um, and I was uh, <laughs> at a crossroads. I was like, what do I do? Um, and my wife, God bless her soul, she, you know, she saw something in me that I didn't see. And she was like, well, what about this, this training stuff, the stuff that you're doing with play? You know, there might be something there. What if you can get companies to hire you, you know, so you don't, you know, you know, I know you like marketing, but I feel like you really love this even more. And so that was the catalyst. That's, that's how I uh, got into this. And uh, I was writing about this, like for the last, like, maybe five or six years, just about things that I'm learning. But I've only this is year four of me being separated from my business partner, and me uh, doing this. Scott, you're muted. I knew that. This is my first time on Zoom in the last 10 minutes. Um, uh, I sometimes type and take notes and it's a, lot, it's a whole thing. Um, what I was saying very eloquently while I was muted is you're very fortunate to have had somebody that could reflect back to you what you were excited, enthusiastic about. And I often talk to, to entrepreneurs about it, making sure you surround yourself with people who can both hold up a mirror, call you on your shit sometimes and amplify the things that, you know, maybe, you know, somewhere, but you're not, you're not quite as in tuned in or, or maybe even brave enough to step out. So I want to talk about two things. I'd love to talk a little bit about the breakup because a lot of founders and co-founders find themselves at odds at various times. And then, um, and then I'd like to transition into what were your feelings, emotions, et cetera, about stepping into something that was familiar, but not something that you had considered to be a, you know, oh, I'm going to go build a business around this. So let's start with the first one. What was the dynamic? Where, where did you get off base? You said you were surprised by it. You know, talk, talk a little, if you can, talk a little bit about it. Because yeah. we all face these things um, at one point or another if you're trying to do anything like start a company. Yeah, so uh, it. I feel like I did everything wrong with, with uh, choosing a founder um, or a co-founder. It. I was excited about the work. I was excited about the possibility. Um at the time when the business first started, there were three co-founders. They uh, they came and found me because they were looking for their number three, someone that can help them grow the team, uh, that also knew client strategy. And it was funny because we all knew each other through uh, a marketing organization. And when they were, I was just so proud of them that they merged forces and started a company. And we were just chatting at an event and they were talking about who they needed for number three. And I inadvertently was describing myself. And they said, yeah. Uh, and I think they were trying to hint that they wanted me to sort of join. Um, and then I was really scared about taking that leap. I had never done anything like that of that caliber. Uh, but I did. And my mistake was I didn't have the hard conversations of like, well, what happens, you know, if, you know, what's our exit plan? Like if we, if we're not, you know, if we're not feeling this, we didn't have any of those. We were just excited about the work and. I jump in, you know, jumped in head first. And, you know, again, like I said, I thought, and this is where uh, we sort of, you know, went down, you know, after two or three years, we started going down a different path. My uh, sort of thought was that we were creating the the agency where 
you know, there is that harmony between work and life where we're not forcing our team to work, work, work and burn themselves out um, just for, you know, the money. Um, you know, yes, as a company, you need revenue <laughs> to, to, to stay afloat. Uh, but, at, you know, at what expense? And so the first, you know, couple of years, I, I call it the honeymoon phase. Everything was great. It was new. It was exciting. We were growing clients. Uh, we were working a lot, but we were also playing a lot. Uh, there, our office was like uh, 250 feet as a crow flies from the ocean. Um, and we would have uh, things like Siesta Fridays where we would, um, you know, call it at uh, two and go down to the beach and, and just, you know, spend time together, and yada, yada, yada. Well, when things started getting challenging, as businesses do, uh, that's where we started to divide. Um, and him and my other co-founder, there were three of us, I said at first, they had some some disagreements um, and then one left. And again, I was still very oblivious uh, to it. Um, uh, again, looking back, all the, all the writing was on the wall. Um, you need to have these tough conversations about like, hey, I feel like we're going different directions, but I was still very heads down in the work. Again, you know, trying to make things and then my son was born and that's where i really got a reality check of like what like uh this is exhausting you know this is exhausting like driving as far as i was driving to uh to our office um and trying to be a present father um and i was having these conversations with my co-founder of like hey you know this you know we need to like sort of rearrange things i i like you have two kids like you're never, you know, no offense. Like you're like, you're, you're never there. You're always here. Like, you know, um, and again, you know, is what it is. But I think that was the start where we had differences of opinion about how the business should be run. Uh, he was a majority, uh, you know, stake in the, in the business. And in our thing was, you know, he could essentially fire me at any point. And that's what happened. Um, after that, uh, after I was gone for a week, uh, doing this retreat, which was all, sort of pre-play, you know, it was all discussed. And I came back to him saying, well, I, I think, you know, the business is going in a separate direction um, and, you know, we should part ways. So is what it is. That's good. I think that th th your core point is really important. The, not just the communications, but the clarity of shared values and expectations. And even if those expectations from year to year or hour to hour or, or precipitating event, taking the time to actually say, Hey, are we still good? Um, and, and kind of go from there is important. So what was the, what was the decision-making like of, okay, you've now parted ways. Now your wife says, Hey, I think you ought to do this play thing. Was it like, great, I'm just going to go do it. Or was there a lot of hand wringing and soul searching? Like, what was that process like? Um, actually the story gets worse. So <laughs> two hours when it rains, it pours, uh, right, Scott? So two hours, I get you not two hours after this conversation, uh, I'm coming back, uh, driving home. I'm like shell shock. I, I call my wife. I'm like, uh, I don't know what just happened. Like, I, I have this severance check. Uh, I'm unemployed, I guess. I don't know what to do. Uh, two hours after this conversation, our landlord calls. We're renting this house. And he says, uh, I have to sell the house uh, that you know, you and your family have been renting, um, you know, like my mortgage, um, you know, it, it, like some stuff with his mortgage and stuff like that is just too much. I, I'm underwater on all this. I have to sell the house. Um, I'm not in a position to say, oh, let me buy this house. So I'm like, 
Ugh. All right, cool. So we had maybe a month and a half notice uh, of we have to leave. And so we decide, first things first, like I'm like, well, what do I do for employment? Uh, oh, crap, we have to move now. Uh, and and like we're having like uh, these conversations. And, and I talk, like when I talk to people, I say, you know, like when you're married, uh, sometimes you have these holy crap moments. It's like uh, 11 o'clock at night. We're sitting up in bed. We're like, oh, what are we going to do? Um, and that's where we, we had the conversation. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. And we decided, all right, we're going to sell all of our stuff. We're going to move in with my parents. Uh, they live close by. Um, and I'm going to figure this out. And she, like she said, like, I, I think you have something there. Um, you know, you know, don't just give up on your dream about being an entrepreneur and just going to get a job. Like, you know, I, I think you have, I, I think you can, you know, with some focus and whatnot, you can, you can do it. And I was a little bit resistant at first. Uh, but I, I think uh, my pride got the best of me of like, well, now if I try to go find another job, I have to say I failed as a founder. Okay, I'll do, I'll, I'll do this. <laughs> and so uh, I, again, uh, ignorance on fire uh, sometimes is the best thing and it will get you started. Well, and you were, you had, it's, it's interesting. The fact that you were, you had other kinds of pressure to make a decision relatively quickly also plays a part, right? Because you got to, you got to go, right? There's no, I've got to make these choices and then start to manage the consequences. I think most entrepreneurs, I think the best ones get used to that, which kind of brings me to the improv piece. So let's dive in a little bit about about what it is that you do and why it's so powerful. And uh, maybe you can give to start, tell us a little bit about it and then, and then we'll, uh, yeah. we'll sort of unpack it. Yeah. So um, in my, so I've been performing improv uh, for the last decade uh, and I've been using it in some form of work for the last like uh, six years or so. Uh, and what I learned performing on stage is that there are certain principles that allow us to do it. When people see improv, they, they immediately think I can't do that. I, I really can't do that. They see something maybe like whose line is it anyway? Uh, you know, they, and then they like, man, they're so funny. They, they're so talented. Maybe they've went to an improv show uh, or they, you know, see the people that are on SNL now and they think I don't have the skills to be funny. And I tell them it's not what you think because the way the reason we are able to do all of this stuff and it appears like flawless is because we uh, operate under certain uh, principles that we hold true. And I learned that when you learn this in like, you know, in a learning capacity, like in the theater, you can't turn that off. Once that becomes who you are, like it is part of your DNA. And some of those principles are, um, you know, the whole thing about, you know, yes. And yes. And is like, the number one improv principle that if anyone has taken an improv class or something like that, they've heard of it. And basically what it means is that you accept the offer, what is presented in front of you, and you build on it. You accept the reality. You don't have to like it, but you accept that is what it is. And then you add one element and then you keep doing that. Um, and that is something that I look at in, in all areas of my life of like what is presented in front of me. And how can I continue to uh, contribute? The other thing uh, that allows us to perform on stage is we say everything is a gift. 
there are no mistakes. Everything is a gift. Even when you make a mistake, it's still a gift. Um, and when you are on stage with that sort of mindset, it helps give you confidence to say, you know what? That wasn't what I intended, but maybe we can do, like we could do something with it. And then the other thing that I tell people a lot, and this keeps me focused, is we have this principle of how can you make your partner look amazing? That is how we're able to contribute on stage. If we are on stage and you and you give an offer like, oh, wow, the stars are so beautiful. Um, and I'm like, well, what are you talking about? We're, we're in a classroom. One, I just denied you. Two, it might have gotten a laugh, but now we're having to start over again. But if in my head, I'm like, hey, how can I make Scott look amazing? I'm going to support you and I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to build you up. And these principles um, has helped me grow my business and has helped me connect with other people. And so when I do my trainings, we do activities that allow people to experience that in a low stakes environment so that when they are back in their real life and the stakes are higher, they're more likely to, uh, they're more likely to, to adhere to that rather than you hear all these things. And I was like, oh, that's nice. But we have a default way of being. And sometimes it's easier said than done. But if you played with it, you got a chance to experience it. And you're going to be more likely uh, to uh, embrace these new behaviors. So yes, and everything's a gift and build the other person up. Did I capture that accurately? Yep. Yeah. And embrace, embrace failure. That's, that's hard for people to do. And it's still challenging for me. But again, I have to remind myself. It's like, you know what? Uh, it's just feedback. It's just feedback. I, I didn't fail. This failed. So it's a, that, that's a big deal. Cause I think that the, when, when as entrepreneurs, a lot of what we do some people resist this notion, but I, I, I've seen it so many times. It's true. We're all selling something at some point. And whether that's the problem we're trying to solve, the solution we have, our insights, our enthusiasm for something to bring others along on our journey, whether that's a customer or an investor or a first employee or whatever. And those same strategies, and some of them are ones where, like, I know that I've gotten a, a good response in a, in a sales experience, especially on an idea, when someone yes-ands me, right, and builds on it. Then I know, okay, they understood it enough to extend it. And that's a, that's a big deal because now we can proceed from there. So th those, they are very practical, right? If you, if yeah. you embed them into, into who you are and what you do. Yeah. So you, uh, improv is, a, is often described and experienced in a live environment. Uh, there is a one or more people on stage. There is an audience that tends to be an in-person kind of experience. So three years after you figured out that you could actually build a business around this, um, the, the universe decided to smack you upside the head and say, ha, 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 you thought you understood improv. Uh, try yes-anding this, buddy. Pandemic. So how'd that go? Uh, well, uh, just like everyone else, I, I panicked. And it was funny. It was a like, man. <laughs> I, I'm like, in my experience, like, just when I feel like everything is like, go, I'm like, every, I think everyone at the start of 2020 was like, this is going to be my year. This is like, that was my thing. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to be on all these stages. 
um, because I realized with my work is very experiential. If I can have people experience it, then they uh, start to understand it. Then they're like, oh, yes, you need to go talk to this person. So that was my game plan. You know, when I was thinking about like, what am what am I going to do uh, in 2020? I'm like, oh, I just need to um, have as many performances as possible because then people will get it. Then they're going to hire me because that was what was working. As I was evaluating this business, uh, it was all about um, doing something, getting someone to experience it, and then they refer me to someone else. Um, and the best way, like I found that I was getting the most referrals when I was on stages. Uh, and then uh, the pandemic hit. And and I had a, another one of those panic attacks of like, oh my God, maybe I should have got another job. Uh, but then I like, I pumped the brake. And then I went back again, went back to like my training of, all right, I need to yes and. Like, this is just an offer. Like what is presented in front of me? I don't like it in the slightest, but how can I build on it? And so I put something out uh, to, like to my um, to my network and I said, I have a lot more time on my hands. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to do some collaborations. I want to experiment in this virtual environment and see if it's possible to create that feeling of connection, uh, that feeling of int intimacy that we once did in person in a virtual environment. And then uh, me and a few friends, we started doing like weekly drop-ins where we were experimenting on zoom uh things that we once did in person to see what works so now we're doing rapid prototyping uh we did we did a lot and and uh, i found myself burnt out uh again um I was like, man here it goes again uh but nonetheless i got a lot of really good feedback i got a lot of data of what worked what didn't work and um i kept at it um i started reaching out and it was funny i went back to what worked when i first started the business because when i first started the business i had a number of people in my network and i said look i have this idea that i think will be very valuable for your team um let me show you uh because in improv we say show don't tell let me show you and if it works out um and you see how i can add value you know by all means let's have a conversation or if you know someone that um could use this please i would highly recommend it. And that's how I built the business. So that's what I did here. I started doing these virtual sessions for companies. I will say, man, you like, again, I saw the challenge that everyone was happening, uh, having is that they went from being in person to now remote. And the little things that kept teams together, we took for granted those serendipity moments, um, you know, passing through the break room where you had a moment of connection or like the in-person meeting where like you had a spark of an idea and then everyone like, you know, sort of, you know, rode with that. Like we don't have that. It was just replaced with video meeting after video meeting. And so I said, you, you need some connection for your team. And how, if we splice it with some enrichment, like, you know, some actual sort of training stuff, I think it will be beneficial for them. And some people took me up on that. And um, again, I offered to just do it out of the goodness of my heart. Like everyone's, everyone's struggling. Um, and I did, and I got some really great testimonials and I got to fine tune this craft. And then when things started to pick back up, we still weren't in person, but people were like, we need something. So uh, long story short, uh, I was able to prove myself wrong. It is possible to create connection on Zoom you have to reimagine it. And that's where I think a number of people sort of uh, went, like when we went virtual 100%, that's where they sort of fell short. They just thought it was a copy and paste. 
So I'm, I'm curious about the experiment part, right? So we, as entrepreneurs, and, and certainly something I, I believe in and talk a lot about is you talked about rapid prototyping and running experiments. How do you, how do you do that? And I'd love to understand how disciplined were you and when did you put the discipline in? Because oftentimes we panic, we freak out, we start picking up the phone and just calling anybody. Did you start off with, hey, I have a hypothesis. I'm going to measure it. I'm going to do this for a week and I'm going to find out. Like, what, what, was, your, what was your methodology for going about it? And, uh, you know, how did yeah. you, where did you start and then where did you end up in, in, that, in that experiment rapid prototyping mm -hmm. process? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it was Steve Jobs that said, um, you know, we cannot connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect the dots looking backward. Um, I was in a complete panic. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. And when I started, um, you know, offering these collaborations and wanting to like, you know, connect with people, um, I just threw everything out. I was like, all right, what are we doing? Like, it wasn't like, I just had this hunch that I think this may work. Uh, we have to reimagine what it's like. Um, so I wasn't as disciplined in the beginning, and that's how I got burnt out. I was just doing everything. Uh, and then, uh, I get, again, I wasn't following those cues that start to show up. That's like, oh, maybe I need to pump the brakes. Uh, because uh, it was funny. Uh, in all these sort of inflection points in my life, there's always that like sort of sage, that person that says something, that something of wisdom. And I'm like, that might be important. Uh, just like when I was... Um, in business with my two co-founders, I met with a mentor of mine and he had said, hey, have you had these conversations about X, Y, and Z? And I'm sitting there, no, we didn't. I'm like, why does that sound important? I just didn't listen to it. This happened and another mentor of mine talked about and he was um, uh, as a presenter, speaker uh, in 08 when everything shut down. And he said, um, if he was giving himself advice back then, he would have just took it easy because the business came back better than ever, but he missed a chance to connect with his sons. And he had said that I was like, I, you know what, I'm going to actually listen to this. And so once I started realizing I'm burning myself out, I said, all right, let me pump the brakes. So I, you know, slammed on the brakes. I, instead of doing a weekly drop in, um, I started to say, all right, what is working? Let me start to focus on that. And I had two or three collaborations where uh, we got really good feedback. It was like very transformational and I was shocked. So I said, all right, let's double down on those three. And I kept like fine tuning those. That's where, you know, <laughs> that's where those started getting better. And then I also realized, all right, I need, if I want to create this experience, I need to continue to upgrade my uh, video environment. Um, and so little by little, I started testing out different things. Um, and that's why, you know, I have the ability to add things like this, where I'm like, all right, what are we, what are we thinking? What are we doing? You know, all of these things. Um, and it's just through trial and error, but now I have a setup where, um, you know, we're starting to go back in person and I'm excited about it, but I have the ability to offer people, um, a solution that I wouldn't have offered before because I didn't know it was possible. So I'm excited about that. I love the 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 storyline too because I think of hey we're all freaking we're sort of freaking out a little bit we're going to try a lot of different things and we sort of end up you know driving a lot of activity but not necessarily seeing any outcomes or being able to step back and say well, what outcomes do we have and how do we throw stuff overboard and so it's 
it's hard to recognize that sometimes, but it's an important kind of important step in the process. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more broad question, then then we'll go into a uh, kind of a lightning round. Uh, Yeah. You talked a little bit about kind of bouncing back. You really had two big in this conversation, one with your agency departure and then and then again with the pandemic. What are some of the strategies you've used for yourself to take that deep breath and sort of you know, feed your own needs so that you can get after whatever the solutions are? Is there the question is, how do you refill your cup or bounce back emotionally when it rains and pours? Yes. Uh, so this is where the sort of play side of, of my business comes in. And my sort of ongoing learning, I learned about the power of play um, and how play has uh, the potential to rejuvenate us. If you think about anything that you did that was playful, time went by like that. You were completely engaged. You were completely immersed in it. And it might have been our business at one point. But again, if you were not conscious about your energy levels, it can get away from you. And so what I talk about discipline, this is something that I'm working on getting better at is instead of powering through, I power up. So we have a natural tendency to, you know what? Let me just put in three more hours, you know, three more hours, three more hours. But the data shows that if we don't, if we work consistently without those power up moments, we're going to be less effective. We're going to make more mistakes, but yet we still do it, especially entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, because again, we have this mission, we have this, like, you know, we want to make this impact. And we just like, you know what, if I just put two or three more hours. And so what I have uh, put into my sort of routine, and actually my son, uh, and this is one of the blessings of of working from home as much as we have, my son tends to be that barometer for me, um, is that in the moments when he's like, Dada, let's, you know, can we play now? Um, I realized I probably should. And And what I do is instead of scrolling social media or checking the news or email, which we typically do on breaks, I do something that uh, I call following my compass of joy. What is something that's going to bring me joy that's going to allow me to take a break from sitting, staring at a screen? um, And and again, I'm moving my body and it only it doesn't have to be that long. Um, You know, sometimes I time box it and I say, all right, son, you know, I have 10 minutes in between meeting. What do you want to do? And, and we'll go and and he invents all these like wacky games. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. We, we have this game called Bubble Ball where uh, I blow bubbles and he has a baseball bat and he's like trying to hit them. And then like I'm running around and he's following me again. He invented that game. Um, so, you know, if, if any sort of uh, uh, toy people out there, you want to run with that, just give us a little a little kickback. We're cool with that. But the main thing is uh, doing something to stimulate your brain doing something to stimulate your body and you get that, what I call the dose, uh, D-O-S-E, which dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. That's what we need as entrepreneurs to keep going forward. But yet we we feel it, uh, we think it's a weakness to take a break. I can't. First off, that's a great acronym, dose. I love it. And, uh, and you're right, taking a break is important. And there was a study that I just read about that Microsoft did that um, they, they took, it was a small sample, they took 16 people and they did um, EEGs. So they put their stuff on and they had them go through four hours of meetings and um, they went four hours back to back with no breaks in between them. And you see like 
basically the color coding was bright red by the third, by the third meeting, their brains were bright red. And by the fourth, it basically fell off a cliff. It was like, just hopeless. Good luck getting anything done. And then with, when they put in a, um, a brief break, I think it was only five, it was five or 10 minutes in between. I think it was 10 for the, cause there were one hour sessions. They put a 10 minute break in and it stayed like well, the color coding was blue the whole time. And, you know, it extracted a, sm a relatively small amount from, from the meeting, but it, but it added so much more value in terms of their, the brain's ability to function and pay attention and be productive. So it's, it, it's a productivity hack to take 10 minutes and go run around. And um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about some of the finer things in your home with the baseball bat, but that's your judgment, um, four-year-old boys. All right, so we're going to go into our lightning round here. Now, I know you have a power-up button. Do you want to activate it so you can sort of feel like you've got it? There okay, we go. Good. All right, so you're powered up. You're ready to go. Here's our, here's our, uh, our first question. Um, is there a particular personality type that you believe is most, most will benefit from this act of play? Um, no, uh, because uh, in the book, Play, How It Shapes Our Brain and Our Minds by Dr. Stuart Brown, um, Dr. Brown says that there are different play archetypes and they all have different um uh, different abilities most people when they think of play they think of sports and stuff like that that's just one archetype um if that doesn't fit fit you you might be an explorer where you explore the world that's your form of play or a collector uh you might be a storyteller so that's my answer for that all right say the book again slowly so that we can oh, capture yeah. it <laughs> play uh, how it shapes our brains and our minds by Dr. Stuart Brown. Uh, I may have butched the subtitle, but um, I'm pretty sure if you look on Amazon, you'll find it. Our superstar Julie will find it and she'll post it because that's that's what she does. She's that's her power up. Um, it's always on though. She never has to press any buttons or anything. She's just there. Um, all right. So next question. All right, maximizing engagement in a virtual world. It's 2021. We're going to be virtual and and more and more of this video engagement is going to be part of our lives even when, fingers crossed, we start getting on airplanes again as part of our business lives. Um, what do you think is your one or two tips, tricks, advice for engaging this kind of way in a video environment where we're remote? Yes. Uh, step number one, cut the content down. Um, I know you're trying to add value, but it's going to, you have no idea where the person came from before. Um, and just like the study that you mentioned, they may be already exhausted. So I talk about how can we scale intimacy and it's all about what kind of, uh, interaction moment can you do at the top so that you can, um, maximize their ability to retain what you're about to, um, give them. And that could be a simple sort of check-in game of like, Hey, in the chat, um, how are you feeling on a scale of one to five? Or like, let me ask a question that's going to get someone to think about something that makes them feel good or better yet. Hey, everyone, you know, let's put on the jams and let's take, uh, you know, 15 seconds to sort of just move around, do that, cut the content down and, uh, be amazed at how much they're, how much more they're engaged and how much more they retain what you're about to give them. Yeah, it's a, that's a big deal. Quality over quantity, for sure. And uh, but it's it's more work. What's the the quote from Mark Twain? I would have written a, a shorter letter if I had more time. Yeah. Um. You know, it's a it's it's harder to do that, but it is important. And in fact, just very quickly, when we started uh, Founders Focus, we had it for a full hour, block to block. 
And we did it for like two or three weeks. I was like, no way, everybody's blotted out. So the reason we start at 110 and we end around 150 is to give people a little bit of time on the ends to be able to go use the bathroom or do something else. It's it it was it's designed to give ourselves a little space um, as part of it. So uh, that's a that's a key thing. All right, last lightning round question for you: um, How do your client? How do you and or your clients measure? the results of what you do. So you come in, you work in a, you work in a group, you do a session around it. How do you find out later that it worked? What does worked mean for uh, your typical client? Yeah. So uh, because what we're doing is we're exploring where people are um, and we're, we're doing activities to help them practice it. I want to make sure that they retain it. So um, in the beginning, uh, like if I'm doing a creativity session, I'll have people do a self-assessment of like, hey, how creative do you think you are? Then we'll do the work. Um, and then afterwards, I ask them, how creative do you think you are now? Um, and then this is the important thing. I ask, what are the one or two things that you're going to do as a result of our time together? And then... Um, the other thing is who can who can keep you accountable because that's great you did it you you're excited but this usually what happens you go back to work you go back to your regular life and inertia sets in so we need one or two easy things to get people um on that train and that's and then i check back in and i and i see all right what's going on some of the things i measure is employee re, uh, retention um i i measure sort of like productivity if they are able to do that. So that's, yeah, that's my method. That's awesome. I think that's really important. And, and it's, it's, it's valuable to put them in the mindset before they leave, right? To say, all right, now let's get ourselves organized. All right. A selfish question from me. You used to do a lot of things in person. Tell me about your plans for business travel as 2021 unfolds here. Are you excited to get back on airplanes and go visit people in real life? Or are you like, Hey, I'm chill here. I'd like to play bubble ball more and uh, and and hang out at home. I yes, I do miss I do miss um, people in person. But now, because I know it does work, I can be more selective instead of just accepting everything and then being on the road all the time and not getting a chance to uh, spend that quality time with uh, with family and, and friends. Uh, I am going to be more selective. There are some places that I do miss. I do miss places like Portland, uh, Austin. Uh, I had a dream uh, about New York, uh, you know, going to do New York. So I, I would love to uh, get a chance to get out to New York again. Awesome. This was a great, great session. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Founders Focus. What did you think? You got any feedback for us? Got a topic that you'd like us to discuss? Or maybe a future co-host? We'd love to hear from you. Just hit me up on LinkedIn at T. Scott Case and uh, join us at foundersfocus.com to stay up to date with the latest episodes and join us live every week at our Founders Focus sessions. Hope to see you there.